0: The creatoring, It's me, it's Zach, uh, all here by myself. Well, not really, just um, I haven't found Daniel yet. I don't know where he is. I haven't gotten any notes this week, but he's still not here, so I'm just going to do it on my own. Um, actually, right now I'm in Baton Rouge. I've been here for about three weeks or three days, but it feels like it's been almost a month. Uh, This came from crop into yesterday. It was amazing. Matt Dawson and everybody killed it, but uh, it's amazing what you can squeeze into three days. So right now I'm in a coffee shop. Uh, Magpie Cafe was kind enough to let us use their front room with this delicious iced chai. And uh, yeah, so we're going to record a special episode of the podcast. I am here now with probably one of my favorite illustrators. In the world, letterers. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's you. I am here with... Danielle Evans. Danielle, what's up? <laughs> Where'd Marmalade Blue come from?
1: Oh, that's a great way to start. Yeah, so, a
0: stupid question that no one's ever asked you before.
1: Right, the one that I've never heard. Never, never ever,
0: ever. No. no.
1: Marmalade Blue. M- Marmalade Blue. <laughs> so first of all, that's not... um real English or French or Spanish or any of the things. It's not Italian. And and none of the languages is it actually translating correctly. So everybody's confused, but at the same time it makes me look very mysterious, which I'm all about. Um, Because I'm very bad at being mysterious otherwise. I have to do it unintentionally. But anyway, so when you have a very boring name like Danielle Evans... no, (laughs) Yeah, it can work. The most famous people with that name if you search it, are an America's Next Top Model, and an author of a book called Sit Down Before You Hurt Your Full Self. So they're very accomplished people. Have you read the book? No, I haven't, but I kind of wanna. I just want to see like what this person is about. If I'm you go sure in it's the great. Barnes
0: and Noble and ask for it and show them your driver's license. They'll probably just give you a copy. <laughs>
1: like here, and I they can't don't believe know your publisher didn't ship like. you anything. <laughs> I mean, there are context clues, but just go in there
0: and start like autographing the book. Have you tried that yet?
1: No, no, I have not. <laughs> I feel like I need to know what it's about before I put my name on it. It's pretty safe I don't safe know how practice. you would
0: sign your name without food in a bookstore.
1: It's amazing, but I I learned how to write initially with a pen and a pencil, but I grip it like a weird pterodactyl hand. Like my I rest it on my ring finger and my other two fingers are just kinda out here somewhere, like just flapping in the breeze. Like a claw. Yeah, it's a weird lobster claw situation. I don't I I don't feel bad about it. Stop making me feel bad no, about Congratulations. It. Thank you. You did it. Thank you. I have very beautiful writing with a very ugly (laughs) way of doing it, so that's okay. But I had to come up with a moniker because that's just what you have to do when your name is Common. So.
0: Your name is Common
1: now? Apparently. I I mean, mean, he's
0: a hip-hop star. I can't use that name.
1: (laughs) He's phenomenal. Anything but, well, maybe it's more like a come on. That's not how you say Common, but. (laughs) But it's all spelled the same. I mean,
0: Flow Rider. that's. Florida.
1: I still I still get hung up on that Florida. The great state of Florida. <laughs> or Florida. Anyway. Yeah. So I I had to come up with a studio and I remember thinking to myself that I I would be interested in something that sounded lyrical, something I wanted to say and that sounded okay coming out of my mouth. Because I feel yeah. like sometimes people come up with their studio names and they just don't think about the fact that it is said. It might look nice, but it needs to be less than a mouthful. Right. It's
0: not fully thought out.
1: Yeah. Right. Pleasant on the tongue. So I came up with marmalade just because it was an interesting sound and then blue, but I spelled it B-L-E-U-E in the French feminine. Because why not? Well, because there was already a marmalade blue. That's apparently a furniture store in the UK. <laughs> Are they in France? <laughs> no, no. They're in the UK. Okay. So they do like, um, it's like some sort of upscale, almost like Ikea, but nicer kind of thing. Scandinavian-ish looking okay. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mod or whatever. So... Yeah, I I was out of options.
0: (laughs) Have you ever done any work for them?
1: No, no, but I should. I should be like, hey, it's me, the one that's, like, fucking up your SEO. The other one. (laughs) The other one. But the cool thing is, is that after five years of working full time and getting to do these amazing projects and having some wonderful clients that I've worked for – I am now catching up to the SEO results for the original Danielle Evans, the America's Next Top Model. Yay! Yeah, so I'm in like the top three showings on that page. So you're on the first page. Yeah, I'm on on the first page, man. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. But my studio will continue to be a part of that, and I guess what's weird is when I chose it, I initially chose it when I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do with myself. So I was doing like vector illustration and trying to do regular design and a little bit of like hand lettering, but it was all like computerized. And so looking back, it was almost like my brain had premeditated what I was going to do. Yeah. And the really weird thing about this is that now whenever I get people that want to work with me, one of the first things I'll do is look at their handles. And it's pretty safe to say <laughs> that anyone with food in their handle is yeah. probably going to be a good fit. So I've, huh. had, I've had a ham slice, and I'm about to have a buttery nipple as an intern. And I feel weird about it, but that's just what it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs>
0: buttery nipple yeah have you asked them where that came from
1: not yet we're just not there yet but can I'm gonna, you ask that question yeah, like, legally to. Legally, can you I think legally I can ask as long as it has nothing to do with her age or you know ability to have children then... it is
0: 2018 <laughs>
1: <Right>. <laughs>
0: uh, pretty much anything goes now
1: <laughs>
0: How? have you had fun the last couple of days no it's been awful.
1: <laughs> I never want to do it again.
0: Thanks, Dan and Dan. I know.
1: the Dan. The
0: young jerks ruin everything.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm a nice in-between to the Dans. Like we've been laughing about it. Dan West, Dan East, and I am Dan West, and that's fine. <laughs> it's fine. The Dan, Dan, and Dan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But really, it's been it's been a lovely conference. Baton Rouge is a very strange place in the sense that. There's a lot happening here, but I'm not sure what, where. Or when. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Like,
0: Like, I I thought I knew when breakfast was. And then when I went to go get breakfast someplace, they said it didn't start
1: until 10. Right. And I'm like... (laughs) And there was nothing else available. That's not breakfast. That's brunch. Right. (laughs) Hipsters have ruined breakfast, too. There are just too many labels in other parts of the country. We don't have time for this. You know? Um, There's open carry. But like not weapons, beverages, like alcohol. And I feel like that's more the American way. That's my America. Nothing but respect for my open PBR. People start
0: drinking here at like 7 in the morning.
1: Because you can. You just can.
0: No one knows where or when anything is happening. No. But you know where to get that. I saw an eggnog on a menu. (laughs) It's April. (laughs) At 9 o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And I can get eggnog in it's Baton great. Rouge. It's great. I think that's wonderful. I think I should move we yeah. should probably move here. Right. <laughs> I mean the Mississippi's right there. It is
1: right there. The Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's April, it's eighty three degrees. If it's not raining, it's humid enough. I felt like I was taking a shower again. Yeah. Leaving My the hotel. hair is
1: very curly. I have a mane right now. But I feel like crop <laughs> to segue super smoothly. <laughs> has been such a wonderful experience. Like, I'm surprised at the number of, like, local people that gathered here to hang out. I mean, I feel like sometimes with some of the smaller grassroots conferences, you yeah. don't have a lot of local pull. It's someone who was like, I want this to be a focal point in my state or in my region, and so we're just going to, like, try to make something happen here. And you end up with a lot of outsiders. But I feel like a ton of people were from Louisiana, which yeah. is great. And that was evident in the crowd?
0: I think um, when Ashley Jones uh, Small the MC. Was asking, you know, the whole stand-up. If you're from here, or from somewhere else, like probably 80 percent of the people here are from Louisiana, New Orleans, or uh, right here. Yeah, which is, which is, is cool.
1: great. I think that's wonderful, and I feel like um, I don't when think you there's d- anything wrong with like no. having big crowds, like people all no, look, no, look no, no. it's stuff, just different. It's different. Yeah, it's just different. And I guess when I've been speaking now um, four years. And so I've gotten to go to a lot of these different places. I tend to hang out in the grassroots conferences or the ones that have, like, been around for a few years that have expanded. I don't usually do, like, um, corporate conferences because they just don't seem to be a good fit for how ridiculous I am. (laughs) And that's fine. No fun. (laughs) But this crowd was so, like, lovingly, wonderfully louisiana it was so refreshing.
0: Right. They totally got the weird.
1: Yeah, they I, loved I was in it. On
0: your talk and it was great. You did a great Thank job you. by the way. But like when you put up the photoshop painting of like where your face was all red and you had like brought out the white in your eyes and your teeth like they loved it and got it and
1: Yeah. That was so cool. Thank you. Well, I feel like it's something where we all we all are in that place. I guess I talk about this in my in my talk where we all start out in a very embarrassing spot and we like to forget it. It's almost like the the precursor to Ladybird, or I'm sorry, the um, postscript to Lady Bird where she was like, Oh, I just wanna go to like a place with culture and I wanna like see the arts and stuff. And then she gets there and then we do that whole like find yourself montage. And nobody yeah. wants to talk about that. Everyone needs a montage. <laughs> right. There's a point where you either find yourself like, I'm gonna do my own thing, I'm gonna beat to my own drum, I'm gonna you wear the do same the mamba
0: right now. Right with I'm, music.
1: I'm gonna wear the same floppy hat as all my other friends. And then you have other people who are like, I'm going to become beholden to theory, and I adjust my glasses that I bought, and I have my mock turtleneck on, and I'm very much about structure and the history and the rules, and we're going to follow the rules because the rules mean good things. But I feel like both of those, as a student, you take those to yourself to one of those extremes, but they're yeah. both bad. You can't live there forever. So you got to come back.
0: <laughs> if like most of those students knew that what they were learning now, they weren't going to be doing in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned that, like if anyone had tried to tell you that you'd be making a living doing food typography and photography, you wouldn't have believed them.
1: No, no. I, Cause it's really not necessarily possible. I feel like there's an aspect to this where one of my professors used to tell me all the time, the job that you might be doing may not have been invented yet. Yeah. And that's okay. You
0: know, or you may not see yourself in it. Like two, three years ago, if you told me I'd be doing motion design and animation, yeah, I would have laughed at you and probably never talked to you again. Right. But that's what I do full time now. Right. Like how, just finding yourself in places you never expected. Mm-hmm. I'm saying yes and taking chances. Yeah. So, like to come to something weird like Crop. Sorry, Matt, but it's, you know, this is... It's quirky. The weirdest part of it. Yeah. It's quirky. And just to have the students see that and hear your story, I think it's... They're not going to get that at school.
1: No, no, they're not. And I think part of why they're not going to get that at school is because school wants to assure them that they will succeed in a very specific way.
0: Yeah, because why else are you giving us money except right. for you're going to succeed. Wink, right. Wink,
1: wink. Right. And the idea being that you're going to succeed as either, like in my case, as an illustrator, you're going to succeed as a children's book artist or maybe a comic person with a syndicate. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe you could be like an animator on a big timey movie and you're... But you realize, like, the path to those things is not for everybody. They're very specific skill sets. Very few people are, are traditional illustrators in the sense of pen to paper to paintings that they sell or have collected or do shows of. Right. But those are the only options you're given because it's just like, well, this is the closest thing we can, we can tell you to do out of school. This is, there's some path. But everything else, like all of the humanities, uh, drawing, dancing, music writing you have to go find that path and then produce that work before you are an illustrator a designer a writer whatever it's weird whereas everything else you can get out of school and you're like oh i'm a baby lawyer i'm a baby (laughs) accountant i just got to go account something
0: i was just hoping like it was an accountant or like a lawyer for babies (laughs) like that weird commercial we just saw yeah Was it a Lisa commercial, Lisa Mattress?
1: Yeah, it was some sort of so, weird mattress. One of the commercial. 20
0: bajillion mattress companies that exist all of a sudden because peop- that's a thing that happened now. But they,
1: they had adult heads on baby bodies. Yeah. And that was weird. So the little feet are like kicking around and are chubbing, and then the faces are talking very sensibly about a good value of their mattress. And I'm like, eh. <laughs> Those are baby accountants. <laughs> yes, baby accountants. Like a little
0: play school, playmobile, like, calculator. are they
1: technically child actors?
0: Yeah, I wonder like they're gonna need baby accountants, right? Baby lawyers, baby chefs, baby personal chefs. There's space for everyone. Do You remember that weird time in the '90s where like chimpanzees would do everything? Yeah, I want that now, <laughs> except with babies.
1: <laughs> they're just our like migrant workers. They're like <laughs> tiny little like these weird half babies with the adult heads. Like yeah. they're just our. These NBA are the things James we don't style. know anything to do with. And and they take our jobs, but not really. Like, they're growing into beautiful things. This is a terrible analogy. <laughs> I don't know if you should use
0: this. <laughs> baby Uber drivers? Yes. <laughs> it's cute and terrifying. I would
1: feel weird about it, because how many blocks would a baby human have to sit on? At least
0: four telephone books. <laughs> like six bricks taped to the gas and the brake pedal. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's good. <laughs> Thanks, crop. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Don't be s- <laughs> Our dogs. Maybe we could get dog Uber drivers.
1: No, that's no. a terrible idea because all they <laughs> want to do is stick their head out the window. <laughs> is it worse than the... <laughs> than babies with adult heads? What about a baby dog walker? Oh... They're all the same height, though. I know, I feel like you could like, ride it at that point. Like and it a baby, would just be like, like
0: walking four or five Great Danes. Yeah, but like but well trained.
1: But like riding them, though. Yes. Yes, that w- you would have to herd them as like <laughs> wolves of old. You would have to ride them.
0: Like the rabbit scene from Lord of the Rings.
1: Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> the baby <warg> riders. <laughs> I'm Okay with this? Oh man, now I want that. I feel like there's a whole market of like baby human head like movies that could be redone that yeah. would be vastly more entertaining that way see
0: that's a career that didn't exist 10 years ago right
1: and we've made a segue
0: we did somebody make that happen yeah yeah i mean there's got to be somebody studying like illustrator after effects and uh green screen crap you know someone yeah. could make that happen for us
1: but it's a beautiful thing it's almost like um in a way you're doing this for yourself in in like a microwave you're putting all your own hobbies together and trying to collaborate with yourself, like collaborate and foster those things into a new field, but then yeah. you also have um, the opportunity to collaborate with other people outside of your field and foster some sort of new sense of work, and I think that can be really fascinating. Like, I've I've been fortunate to collaborate with bakers and um, creative technologists and builders and people that maybe are not versed in lettering or understand typesetting or design or anything yeah. but being able to work with them while the initial product is a little bit gangly and awkward like a weird human baby sure maybe the output of that is some sort of interactive installation or some new like side project based in music and food or whatever and so like once you kind of like do the awkward hump of getting over that like discomfort of how do these things mash together you can have a A very like repeatable stream like you have a repeatable practice that can generate new ideas right um
0: so with the people when you're working with people like that who don't understand the value or like maybe how typography would work do you teach them that or do you just kind of say okay you hired me as an expert in this i'm going to do this or do you tell them that that's what a capital S would look like in the when you make it out of sheets ah. because of this or whatever.
1: Right. Well, there is some of that. So if I'm collaborating with someone in a peer way, which usually, like, if I'm collaborating with a photographer to shoot my work, it's a peer situation. This person has an incredible sense of photography, but if I don't show up, we don't have the job. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, so it's not so much I'm in charge of them or they're in charge of me, which would be a traditional... Like one of it would be like an art director battling a photographer, where like someone's the boss. Who's the boss? And it's it's like, not even a partnership. It's just right. like we. This is need the structure, each other. right? But in this case, it's like we're we're peers, and so we high five each other, and we're like, yeah. What are we gonna do now? Like, it's. Yeah. So in recognizing that there is a sense of okay, there are things that you need to show me or explain to me so that I understand how I can do my job. So that's usually how I open is so is telling people hey I understand that this is kind of like second nature to you and you're saying well obviously this hooks up to this thing and the light will go on and like but explain to me why because it's not obvious to me and they're like oh sorry 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 okay and so then they give me a rundown and I go okay well you're asking me to do this thing with the lettering for example like with sheets or with glass or with something that like biodegrades I can't do this because it's gonna tear or it's gonna break down right and so in order to To also speak to a certain time frame that we're using, I need to have a certain kind of text that will be easier to render. And they're like, oh, okay, I kind of understand that. And so we have this like awkward back and forth conversation of like them trying to mini educate me, but me also educating them and hoping to come to a place of understanding and congruence. And it works. Yeah. It just takes more time. But there's all kinds of respect layered into that.
0: And then it allows you to push back on the photographer. Like maybe we don't put lights over here because it's going to do this weird shadow thing.
1: And I usually have to say like, oh, this is going to affect how we'll do this in post. It will probably cause X amount of hours. We'll have some variance. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't want that. And so it's a beautiful thing because I think a lot of times people want to be pigeonholed into like a specialization. It's safe. Um, It's like, I know very well how to do this and I don't feel comfortable expanding into other people's worlds. But I think there's a beauty to being a generalist in the sense of like, okay, I can be dangerous as a photographer. I know how to take photos and how to retouch and render things. But it would be much better to have this other person doing this skill because they're vastly better. But in order to have them understand my process and for me to make their jobs easier, we need to have a dialogue about it. And I think that's
0: something that I've seen you do really well is Thank to you. be a specialist in many general areas. Yeah. Like, we made jokes, and I'm, I'm just a guessing that, like, most of your client stuff is... Asking you how to make something out of a pie or pizza or something. Yeah. But then you've got side like Kanye. um, What was the sassy? Mean Mean Trills. Yeah. Mean Trills. That's a great one. Thank you. And even like I've seen you do more stuff with metal and glass and vinyl and stuff like that. So you're still a specialist. Yeah. People come to you for those things. Yeah. But you're not. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like Like Tad Carpenter. Sorry. No, no. Tad Carpenter. Do whatever he wants to. Yeah. But people just put Tad in one category in their heads. Tad's a children's illustrator, but he's so much more than that. Right. I think mean, you a, do that, too.
1: He's a designer of systems. So I think there's like a... When I was coming up into my career, people were saying like specialists are the way to go constantly. It's the only way to go. Yeah, it's been a... It's like, been like that I've hate yeah, yeah 13 years now. Right, and it's wrong because it pigeonholes people into these roles that if the roles become like removed, you're gone, you're out of a job. And I think it also like doesn't allow people to grow in a way that is beneficial or allows someone to like really reach into their own individuality and extract like their essence and put it into their work. Like you're a you're a well-rounded interesting person, you have a other interests besides a design besides like art and stuff like you you do other things and stuff. and stuff yeah you you have other things that drive you and i feel like a lot of what drives us if we look at the underlying philosophies are like common threads of thoughts that we're constantly chasing like for me with my skills that i have i love um or like hobbies i have for example i love yeah. skating i love snowboarding salsa i play soccer all the time and my job is very kinetic like, I'm constantly moving. I'm not really sitting at a desk when I do things. And so there's a part of this, like, undertone that I think is a joyful movement, like, almost like a joyous dance Yeah. that just runs through everything I do. And I'm chasing that feeling, whatever that, like, philosophy is all the time across these different platforms. And I think if people could even look at, like, work and apply, like, oh, why do I have the job I have or why am I desirous of this kind of occupation? I think they would have some sort of key to who they are that yeah. they can then expound upon.
0: Yeah, what's the like the philosophy, the idea that we are the accumulation of all of our experiences and thoughts yeah. and emotions, but finding that center point—it's mm-hmm. that's the hard part. Like, where does yeah. all this crap intersect and overlap? Right. Like we were talking about horror movies before we started recording. We both like like some parts of horror movies, and we don't like others, and. <laughs> Just connecting that to like different stories in our lives. Like the time I was, like, our house was broken into when we were three in high times. School. Three times. <laughs> um, but just how all that connects, and maybe I should write a horror movie about having your house broken into. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. But also discussing about why you're attracted to not those movies, but also why you have certain like movies within those genres that you like. Right. It's like you're solving through, like, we had talked about, you said, I hate break-in movies but then this one and this one and this one were really good i don't
0: like i don't like the strangers Mm -hmm. where you know people just come in and murder everybody in the house like that's no good right but um what don't breathe right and silence silence yeah like the strong female characters that defend themselves kick the dude in the nuts and then
1: except in don't breathe they're also the ones that broke into the house right yeah so it's a so it's a little bit backwards. economy right the hunter becomes the hunty. But I think there's a thing, like, there's a problem you're working out by loving those movies is that in the movies that you're enjoying, these people are trying to victimize someone, but then the person they're trying to victimize rises up against it and defends their home and defends their, their health and their safety. Right.
0: Kind of like the movie Baby's Day Out.
1: <laughs> you know, the <laughs> idea of, like,
0: having a baby being out around town trying to protect itself terrifies me. Oh, well, fair. Then okay. When that yeah. baby's, like, climbing on the railing of the hotel... Or even when he ends up in the cage at I the see where zoo. you're going with this now. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I was unsure, but this <laughs> is sound. Okay. Well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Does anyone
0: remember that movie? Yeah. Do you remember Baby's <laughs> Tale? Yeah, Out? I mean, it's okay. I think I might have just dated myself. It's all right. A lot. What about Dunstan checks in? Yeah. Like a, like a nice connection between that. Yeah chimpanzee, orangutan love right, right, we had right. in the 90s. Yeah. And then our love with baby misadventures.
1: We're bringing it full circle. <laughs> it's going to work it's really happening.
0: well together. Um, <laughs>
1: yeah. But I, I think there is like, I think we treat a lot of our interests or our desires as these flippant things in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah, like it's not going to help further my career. So. Right.
1: It's not going to even build me as a person. But then when you start looking at why you're attracted, there are all of these underlying streams that you're constantly chasing. Like for me it's obviously play. I, I love play and freedom and openness and possibility. Yeah. I can't get enough of that and the things that I pursue the hardest are the ones that give me the most freedom, the most possibility.
0: I think mine that I've realized lately is story. Yeah. Like I love looking for story and things and mm-hmm. finding the hidden themes. Like um we Beth and I watched Glow last year. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see Glow no. on Netflix? It's a show about um it was an all-female wrestling, like if it was a real thing in oh, the yeah. '80s. The gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, gotcha. And it's got um, oh, what's that lady's name from Community? Uh, one of the actresses from Community is on it, and um, it just covers like behind-the-scenes wrestling stuff. Mark Maron's on it. It's a really mm-hmm. good show, but it goes into like how they developed the wrestling show, and I watched wrestling growing up as a kid in the South because yes, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's how it worked, and so. Uh, Afterwards, I was like, oh, this is just... You accept the fact that it's just a soap opera, Mm -hmm. and it's so much more interesting than just two dudes or two ladies just beating the shit out of each other. Yeah, exactly. So I've been watching it for, like, the last year, just enjoying the stories, and I know it sounds dumb and cliche because, like, wrestling, like, that's a redneck pastime. Right, but it's okay. There's a current storyline right now (laughs) where this guy in WWE, this guy named Matt Hardy, is possessed... By eight gods, who have existed since the beginning of the universe, and um, it's it's so much dumber than even that. But it's like he has a he the dude owns a giraffe, like for he has a giraffe on his farm in North Carolina. It's very well taken care of. It's got a lot of room, but in the storyline for the show, he calls it George Washington and like pretends that it's possessed by the spirit of George Washington but they acknowledge and they know how dumb this is yeah. and they own the hell out of it. And that stupid storyline is so much more fun than most of the stuff that's on TV right now. Yeah. That's so amazing. I, just, like, I had no
1: idea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so stupid, but it's just fun. And like yeah. fighting that story and even like fighting stories and horror movies that are like, what's the real meaning behind this? Right. I think, so yours is play. I think mine story is, uh, it's neat finding where that connects. I even... Right. So at work, I do a lot of corporate kind of educational motion stuff, mm-hmm. but I still have to deliver the story, quote unquote, of what the professor, the instructor is trying to portray. Yes. And there's... Ooh. Play is all over your work. Even the yeah. like McDonald's stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Like, I've never seen anyone have more fun with hot mustard
1: <laughs> than I that kn- set. I know. It, it was... Such an exciting thing because I've hit this point where people have said like, "Hey, just do, do the thing that you're good at. Here's a bunch of copy. Make it look fascinating. If you want to do some tweaks, we can talk about it." Like they just trust so explicitly that you will do a good job because you've taught them that you will play at the highest, at your highest, most optimum like capacities yeah. for yourself and for other people. And so, so people that went back that. to what I was talking about earlier. Really. Oh, yeah.
0: Like so, you get, you have the peer-to-peer work that's but when you do big stuff like that do you have to when you do big corporate jobs like that do you have to go in and tell them that that's how you're going to do it and teach them the process or do they kind of just I think you've gotten to the point where they just ex, like Danielle's going to come in and do this
1: yes but and what did you do
0: before that
1: well essentially I have to I do have to kind of educate people so I think Half of being able to sell something really well is being empathetic and being able to recognize when someone doesn't understand, but they're too afraid to ask. That's a big, that's a big thing. Or when someone feels like they have more questions, but they don't want to take up your time. There's, that's a pretty huge component to being a, a good salesperson of art. And then there's like this other aspect of being comfortable with teaching people about what you do. And I recognize that not everybody can teach, but some of the best people I know that sell are like, I want you to know exactly what you're getting, when you're in the process of getting it, what could break down, yeah. what kind of guideposts we have set up to avoid this, and we'll have a lot of fun. So, so it is a
0: lot of education.
1: Yeah, it is. And yeah. it's just keeping that mindset of, look, I'm going to tell you, I will make some rough sketches. I will color these in some sort of like program and deliver them to you. I will get your feedback, I will do tests if you ask for those. Uh, You'll be with me every step of the way, we'll set up a a schedule. Uh, Especially when you say things like schedule and calendar and deliverables and um, self-initiated deadlines, people are so excited about that. Corporate words. Yes, because you're telling them A, they don't have to do that work, B, they already expect that you're an artist and you're not going to want to do that stuff, so when you're like, I'm all over this, they're like, whoa, who is this individual? Yeah. Who's this well-rounded LinkedIn? person yes, in my office right now. Can we connect on the LinkedIn? Yes. It's it's fascinating because you realize that it doesn't actually take a lot of effort to make someone in a corporate setting or in an account's background feel comfortable. It's just being forthright with them and straightforward and getting them the analytics they need to feel comfortable. So again, that's like the, the empathy factor or the um, emotional intelligence factor of seeing like someone wants to ask me, more questions. Someone wants m- like harder numbers or um, clearer deliverables and I just need to be like open about what that is.
0: Yeah, it's basically just being a normal person right. with with a corporate, you know, but also taking the time to realize what what Sally in marketing is going to have to report to her manager right. and giving her that before so she doesn't have to track you down 3 weeks right. later.
1: And you also realize nobody's going to fight for something like they're not going to fight for an idea or for your work or for a, a campaign if they don't understand why. Like everybody that is hiring you wants you to succeed because then you make everyone else succeed. Everybody wants you to um, do something that's never been done before because they want to say they were a part of that. And so if you're gonna if you're gonna like break some ground and move a needle somewhere, you have to be willing to do a little bit of extra legwork to ensure everybody is on board with you.
0: Yeah, but to be to be fair to somebody who's listening and might be starting out like you've been in target commercials yeah like you've been in mcdonald's commercial you've been in these places has it were you able to do that from the start or did how did like was it easy to get into the corporate speak corporate lingo or
1: you seem like a decent person (laughs) you seem like a non-psychopath yeah well i think yeah honestly it was a little bit easier than i expected i thought it was but i also came from the background of thinking that business and the arts were not synonymous that they were opposing forces and that if you were going to be a successful human being that made money making art you were probably going to be an asshole and then I realized that that's not the case because in my experience business meant you were pulling one over on someone that you were charging them and Obscene amount of money to do that, and then you were running away before they could realize that you had had them.
0: Yeah, before you tricked. You right. Know, go cash the check before they right. figure it out. Yeah,
1: and that that really truly was my experience with people. I got burned trying to work with people a lot, and then I realized that's like a level of business. That's a very low level, like one and done kind of way to think. But if you realize that the work that you have has meaning, it has value the people around you want that value, they just don't understand it all the way. Yeah. Like, with the new car, you explain all the features, you explain, like, the tension points or the weaknesses, and you go, but this is an amazing thing, and it's a great price for what you're looking for. Like, you you make that accessible to somebody. And in a corporate setting, it feels weird because you're like, what do I, what do I say to make myself sound like I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Because but, m- Mark...
0: Mark, who works at McDonald's, right. hired you because he knows your work is good. Right. But how does he explain that to the right. next guy up?
1: Well, a lot of times it's less about saying the right words, like having the right magical phrase, and asking enough of the right questions. So think about... Yeah. Think about... Like, <laughs> <thank> yeah. <you. laughs> I wish I could see your face with your eyes just kind of like unlocking, looking off to the side going, oh, that was thoughtful.
0: That's deep. <laughs> yeah. No, it makes sense because... Um. By asking questions, you make them think it's their idea. Mm-hmm. Without me, without going back too far the other way, like you were saying, like not going into like the skeevy business side of it, but if you can get someone to think that it was their idea to do something, you can get anything in the world done, pretty mm-hmm. much.
1: Yeah, and I think there's there's a beauty to this because by asking questions, you're saying, hey, I don't have all the answers, so I'm not trying to pull one over on you because I. I'm not going to be able to and they're like oh good we like that strong honest person like yeah all about that and then you start asking them questions about say what they expect of the process you start trying to figure out how to throw their words into the questions you're asking for example I had a project where I had to go to a tackle store and buy a bunch of bait I hadn't done this since I was six so I'm like racking my brain for like vocabulary about fishing and I walk in yeah. and I also didn't realize I did this but I I must have subconsciously made this leap I was wearing a camo jacket so I walk in wearing like closed toed shoes camo jacket I think I even had like a baseball hat on nice so I just I hadn't planned it that way but yeah. it just was like oh I'm going to the tackle shop or something I guess this is what you wear and so rather than people being like hello little lady how are you I got this like what are you in for today, ma'am? <laughs> like, it was like I was in the right spot. I was with my people, and yeah. I hear the song, like, I'm in love with my truck, and there's a bunch of fish on the wall, and some deer, just like their heads just looming over me at the door, and I see all of this bait. And I go, sir, what kind of um, dancing lure do you have for specifically bait fishing? And the guy was like, well, let's walk over here and see what we got. And I mean, I got... I got this man to help me in a way that i would not have been able to get him to help me if i just walked in going say hey like i hear this like that would not have been helpful to anyone this man would have not wanted to trifle with me and i would not have gotten out with things that were specific to the job i needed and so inevitably as i'm just throwing hundreds and hundreds of dollars of this like weird smelly glittery like gelatin bait into my bag the guy's like, so uh, what are you doing with this here bait? That's a lot of, I mean, you could fish like this for the rest of your life. And I'm like, I, I know. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> this, is, this is for a commercial. And he's like, a, a commercial for what? And I'm like, well, in a nutshell, we are trying to show people who smoke that their smoking budget is affecting their fishing budget. And so if they quit smoking, they will have more money to go fast fishing. Yeah. And the man was like, Damn straight they would. I can get behind that. What else do you need? And he was he was giving me parts and pieces. Because you're going to make him more money. Yes. Yes. And so he was giving me pieces of reels that weren't working anymore that I was able to incorporate in fishing nets and all this stuff. And this guy was just that much more helpful because I was speaking his language in his space of business, and I got better service. And I think all of us are that way. Yeah. And like, if we look at, um, if someone comes to you as a printer and they go, hey, I would like to do a three-color print, I would like it to be embossed in this way, I would like these sizes, you're going to give someone a much better experience because you recognize that they know what they want and they also um, can speak your language and therefore you're like, oh, I don't have to do extra work to educate this person.
0: I, I wonder too how much that's part of the reason why designers get so upset when people say make this pop or make it redder. Yeah, I think I wonder how much it is like we get upset because they're not speaking our language. Yes, but we're also not trying to understand their language. Like if you stopped and asked them what it meant, what they meant by making it pop or asked for examples. Yes. Of what more red looks like. You would probably get it done a lot faster with a lot less grief involved in it.
1: Yes, exactly. And I mean, it's easy to complain about those things. And I get it. There have been times where I've had It's a good joke. Yeah. I mean, it is a good joke. But it becomes, like, an awkward... It, there's a fine line between, like, joking about it and then it ending in, like, just raging complaint. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's a What's point... What's that
0: website? Clients from hell? Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I mean, it's real, but at the same time, like, we can't live in that. We can rise above it by being open. And I think a lot of good, good art and design is psychology. Like we were talking about on stage, it's this idea of, like, emotional vulnerability where you have a cause or an idea or a purpose and you're reaching out going does anybody understand this the way I understand this does anybody feel this way the way that I visually feel and then people like reach their hands out to grab yours and go yes man Fuck yeah I feel you man <laughs> yeah and that's like we're all searching for that that connection point of purpose and I think in order to do that our industry is such that we rely on psychology and on awareness and on observation to know how to draw the right people to make those correct connections, to put them in the space where they're not just inspired by something, they're motivated to do or buy or think. Right.
0: Um, do you remember in the 90s when the idea of becoming a rock star when you grew
1: up shifted to becoming a photographer when yeah. you grew up? Yeah, which the, a lot of my friends that were rock stars have become photographers now. Uh, I think that's funny. That's
0: <laughs> really funny. In the, I think in the last maybe five or ten years designers become the new photographer
1: yeah you know what i mean yeah
0: and i wonder how much it it feels like a lot of people just haven't connected that like they've learned photoshop and illustrator maybe i'm just like self-diagnosing myself (laughs) because i went to school for something totally different i was going to school for youth ministry
1: oh yes yes. glad
0: that did not work out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> imagine me as a youth pastor right now yeah yeah when, good
1: <laughs> you'd be well you'd be wearing flip-flops and not like red flyers or whatever well
0: no see i was thinking i would have like the fastest turnover rate of any youth group ever just like everybody coming and going being like way more pessimistic as they were leaving right probably on drugs like they didn't they weren't <laughs> on drugs when they came to the group but boy they are now they, yes. yeah when they left yeah they i can started. see that um yeah I don't know if there's anything to it I just feel like there's a lot of people like graphic design is the cool job now yeah but with it being the cool job also comes a lot of hipsters which comes with a lot of hipster I pick on hipsters a lot but I hope you don't know I'm talking more of the general narcissistic I'm gonna do this and if my client doesn't like it fuck them yeah I feel like that attitude is it just more prominent now or are people just talking about it more maybe it's just social media makes it worse
1: I think there's a type of person that is looking for something always like they're looking for their purpose and they find it in their cool haircut or their Their great shoes or their Pendleton blanket like flung over their shoulder in front of a canyon like that's where they they find their sense of belonging do you remember
0: American flags in front of waterfalls yeah like, yeah, where the dude. fuck are you finding so many waterfalls? And right. Then, did you bring the flag with you? Was it just
1: in the field? I don't know. I don't know <laughs> I don't know where these things come from. I don't fully understand them because the context for me doesn't I don't know where the context comes from. Um, but I think there are people that are looking for that purpose and I think the aesthetic opportunities that one has in design, the ability to belong very quickly based on how you dress
0: Yes a lot. How big your beard is.
1: Right. It's it the barrier for entry is a lot lower because if you look like one of these people that designs or illustrates or whatever, then the likelihood of someone giving you a job is much higher. But I think there's like a, a fallibility in that thinking because you have to also produce something for people to be able to let you into that world. And it's almost like the whole Steve Jobs turtleneck situation where it's like a, it becomes a uniform rather than
0: the Mark Zuckerberg gray shirt and jeans.
1: Yeah, it becomes a, a uniform instead of a like reflection of a series of ideas and lifestyle you already hold to. Whereas I think if you're doing something right, if you're in a if you're in a community or in an industry 100% and you're trying to like forge forward, the way you dress, the way your home looks, the way you put together your car, the music you listen to, that will all reflect that will all reflect and echo you as a person. It'll all feel tied together somehow. You know?
0: Yeah. I was thinking too about um You don't have to like you don't have to like every kind of music. No. But I feel like if you want to try to reach a certain community or like understand where people are coming from, music might be the fastest way to understand how somebody feels about something. Music is so personal and so deep. Yeah. Um, we were talking about music earlier and I was talking about how I've really enjoyed Janelle Monet's music yeah, yeah. lately and Lizzo and if I could do like a public playlist somewhere it would just all black women yeah I just think more that's what people need to listen to yeah right now yeah in this, you know just this political climate just everything hey it's 2018 yeah go listen to some funk
1: right afrofuturism yes you know. it's great yes I, it's funny. I've had a lot of people ask me recently why all of a sudden I'm doing these projects with Drake and Kanye. Like, why these are influences in these projects. And I don't think everybody expected me to have a good answer for that. I just think they wanted me to be like, because it's cool. like. But there's, So, I was divorced, or I was getting divorced, like, a year and a half ago. And as I was going through that process, I was also feeling disenchanted with my job. Sure. Like, I love my work, but I felt like I was in this place where... Competition was coming up in a way that's not helpful or healthy. Um, I was trying to... I had had a couple of situations where I'd been professionally taken advantage of um, and just was feeling uh, cynical and angry. And as I was listening to Kanye and Drake and a little bit of Frank, uh, Frank Ocean, yeah, I yeah. noted they were all putting out albums at the same time in a similar space where they had been in their industries they made their mark, they felt like somewhat established, but they were trying to figure out who to trust and how to like stay one step ahead of the industry. So the industry didn't like try to game them and trying to figure out how to continue to be inspired and lying awake at bed at night wondering like, am I finished? Um, Do I still have more of this in me? Like how do I press forward? And riding that weird wave of like, I'm confident. I know who I am. I know where I'm going. I've got longevity in this field versus I think I'm done all the haters like what am I gonna do I have success and now nobody wants to be supportive of me and I felt like that was such a weird spot because I'm five years in and it was like gripping me the reality of like how do I push so that I can continue to love this and keep working yeah and out of those projects like out of listening to that stuff and huffing around my neighborhood being like yeah did I lose you man did I lose you? Like, I, just, I started doing my Kanye project, which is Kanye lyrics with out of egg-related things. And I did a collaboration with Joy the Baker from Louisiana who did Drake on Cake. And oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the start from the bottom. Yeah. And so, like, finding some sort of comfort in the fact that even though their level of success is very different and more public than my level of success is for me, having, like, a peership or a kinship. And I felt like the, those points of view were so valid. You know? Yeah. They're so valid. So it doesn't matter who they are or what their output is or what their presentation was. The way that they made their music spoke to me and it connected us. They're
0: so un- it's universal notes. Yeah. I mean, also, like, you get to experience something that's so outside of yourself. Yeah. I mean, I'm a 33-year-old white dude. And not to take light anyone's experiences or anything, but it's such a, it's a quicker way to understand their emotions. Yeah. And their legitimate expressions of those emotions. Right, exactly. And stories.
1: Yeah. And I think there's it's tricky because I very much believe and I guess I believe these things paradoxically. I very much believe that diversity is the best way to enhance the richness of like the story like our fabric of our story as a as a culture. Yeah. But I think also that the best stories transcend background, gender, time. Like the best stories regardless of who is portraying them touch somebody deeply and they resonate with the human experience. So I think we only get to those kinds of stories by being diverse. I don't know if it's like one before the other, but I I could see how like that those could be used as arguments against each other, but I think really both are true at the same time.
0: Yeah, they they have to be parallel. They have to happen at the same time. You're not going to Experience that openness without at least being willing to have diversica- diversification, yeah. but you're also not going to get to that point until you hear the stories that open you up to it. Right, and so I guess like even hand to like hand.
1: to backtrack to like my talk, there have been several times where I've gone to different conferences or or my work has shown in different places, and I'm da- like dubbed the letterer, and sometimes I feel weird about that or the hand letterer, and I feel like there's a, a title that when you drop that, there's an expectation that you're going to be this bohemian girl who does stuff with a brush pen and has a cactus in all of her shots, which is fine. Like, that's a type of person and that's a legitimate way to do right. things. But that's not who I am. And I think sometimes people expect, oh, that's what this person is going to be. Or even, I don't I don't like hand lettering. That's not something I'm interested in, not realizing that I try to tender my story so that it is universal in terms of, like, wanting more for oneself. The loss of like what preconceived notions of what you thought you could do or who you were, and the resilience of struggling through like those shitty setbacks to find yourself in a space where you feel comfortable with who you are and bold enough to share that with other people.
0: which almost has to come first
1: right you, like
0: how you can't truly be open and comfortable with people without being at least a little comfortable with yourself
1: right. Yes, I don't know if you've I don't know if you've read Brene Brown at all. I don't think I have. So she's um kind of a writer, philosopher, um, psychologist, and she wrote this amazing book, and it's called Braving the Wilderness. It came out a couple months ago, but the idea being that you can only belong everywhere and kind of be everything to everyone when you absolutely belong to yourself. It's kind of like that F. Scott Fitzgerald's idea of within and without, being simultaneously within a moment, but also without observing it. Right. Yeah. Hmm.
0: And that's a strong philosophical view that I think has been around forever. I know that there's, I don't know the Koran that well, I've never studied it, but mm-hmm. I know there's verses in there, even in the Bible. Um, you know, I grew up in the church and stuff, not really there anymore, but like Paul says that he's all things to all people yeah. and he trained himself to do that. Right. And, but I think that's so much more universal than that. Right. Right. Like it keeps popping up now. Lenny talked about it this week at Crop. even having
1: self-compassion.
0: Right. You can't truly really care and be compassionate for others until you figured out how to do it for yourself.
1: Yes. And people say that all the time. Like, I've heard that for years and years about, like, you can't love other people till you love yourself. But it wasn't until I went through a divorce where I realized, like, I didn't treat myself with respect. I, did, I accepted a lot of things that I should not have accepted. Yeah. I allowed myself to feel, like, so hateful towards me uh, feeling like I was not good enough, that I did not, I had to validate living. And I think understanding that your sense of love is a reflection of all of your insecurities, it's you like reaching out for someone to quell your inner insecurities. Until you can put the salve on yourself, it, you can't really give a love that is like overflowing of like freedom and openness and feeling sustained and enough. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, like, like it, we're taught love has to hurt. It has to cost us something. We have to martyr ourselves something, or like we have to throw ourselves on some hill and die upon it, and be like, just like, gut wrench, for affection or for belonging. And we don't have to do that, yeah. you know. There's a part
0: of it like, in, you know, in Stranger Things. You yeah, know, go for don't it. Don't take philosophy from Stranger Things, no, but um, don't do that. But in the second season, Eleven asked the guy she's staying with the, you know, the sheriff, like, what's com- Um, Compromise me. He says it means you're both half happy. (laughs) I don't know how. I
1: don't know how
0: helpful that that is. You know, again, I'm not really in, don't really identify with organized religion anymore, but when I grew up and it's so much of what I was taught about marriage, and I don't, you know, maybe it was just the church that I was at or the toxic stuff I put myself into, but it was you're only half a person until you meet your other spiritual half, your better half, which is a cute joke. It's ridiculous, yeah. But it's, um, if you actually believe it, hold on to it. And for the longest time, that's what Beth and I's marriage was based on was Mm -hmm. we're not whole people unless we're together. And there was so much of like me looking for something in myself and like what I was going to do and what I was found compassion in that if she didn't deliver it there, if we didn't have a fight, there was definitely a tension between us. Yeah. And in the last couple of years where we've like looked at and um, like, kind of broken down and rebuilt mm-hmm. how we view ourselves and now we have a better view of who we are as individuals and what we each like we can come together and offer each other so much more. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's amazing. Exactly. So, There was a funny thing that went into this um, self-realization that you're talking about. Um, when I had it I realized I could, I could tend to myself and become whole and that by being whole that bled into my work and yeah. it allowed my work to be more confident. It allowed myself to get a little more exploratory. Like, again, doing a project about, like, Kanye. I'm like, I'm some white girl. I feel weird, like, grabbing this and, and finding identity with it. But at the same time, I'm like, what the fuck? I love eggs. And I love everything about this. And this is hilarious. Right. Um, I allowed myself to teach. It turns out, like, when you give workshops and when you talk about your work, it's a lot easier to teach from a place of, like, this is who I am. I'm not fearful that anyone's going to take my techniques or misconstrue them or whatever. Um, you give people everything you've got, and then you watch other people blossom around you, and you realize, you're doing great. You're doing great. Yeah. And I'm doing great, and the fact that we're doing great together is just more people doing great at the same time, rather than your greatness like impinging upon my greatness. Yeah, like, we're, not, you know? we're
0: not competing against no. each other. I was on the Master of One podcast, the hot mm-hmm. seat they did this yeah, week, yeah. and... We're not competing with it. They have a great podcast. Mine's okay. (laughs) My guests are amazing. I don't know how well I do, but we're not, you know, they're doing great. They'll help me out and I'll talk to them about it. But it's, I think it really comes down to, you know, a lot of it's fun now to complain about being politically correct. I guess it has been last 20, maybe again, it's me, like my growing up in the church like maybe more people complain about it there than they do elsewhere
1: because it's like not actually real when it's complained about there yeah Yeah. but it's um I've always thought
0: of when someone uses the word being politically correct generally it means not being an asshole
1: right you know being a decent person like where's my excuse to be an asshole I miss that
0: yeah (laughs) that you can't When people complain about the fact that they can't use a derogatory term for two men who love each other, Mm -hmm. you should probably stop and think about what's in your heart instead of the fact that you can't say that word. Because, sorry, like, I was going, um, cultural appropriation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's tough. Yes. And, again, white dude, 30, you know, middle class, I'm I'm not always feeling white guilt... (laughs) Yeah, but I want to be. I don't want anyone to feel like I look down on them, or left behind, or like a better than or worse than situation. You know, we're trying to get through this shitty world together. Let's figure it out. But I think you did a good job with the Kanye thing, in that you did not take Kanye lyrics because they're cool. Right. You you understand where they came from. You are relating to him, Mm -hmm. and that is not what cultural appropriation is. Yeah. Is or even could be.
1: Right. It's a level of proximity and removal. Yeah. I think is what it is. Like, I think in the next couple years, we're going to see a real focus on proximity in terms of, like, design principles in a way that we haven't before. And I think there will be a couple things that that change this. I think part of it is going to be this heightened sense of, like, again, cultural overlap and crossover. The fact that more people are waking up to the fact that there are more people that have different backgrounds and beliefs and thoughts. Um, VR and AR, I think, is going to have a lot to do with this because it allows us to be disembodied while we observe art, and that means the art can get really close to us in a way that it could not before. So I think all of these spaces are going to open up where we're suddenly going to be so... Things are going to become abrasive towards us. They're going to get so close to our person, and we're going to have to decide how to react to that. Do we run? Do we push? Do we lean into it and let ourselves like just fall into these new ideas but I think I think that's where the future is going closeness
0: I mean you're a white lady working in corporate areas it's gotta be super easy for you like every day (laughs) like you have no problems no one's ever talked down to you no one's ever put you in an uncomfortable sexual position no one's ever expected you to work for free or work for less than anybody else man you're right I'm
1: just (laughs) Yeah, that's There's no way
0: you can relate to those other issues.
1: None. Well, there's actually a weird side component of this as well. Um, So I look more conventionally attractive than I used to. I lost a bunch of weight while I was going through my divorce. I mean... It happened. It was was real. Um, I started taking better care of myself, like, again, focusing on myself. I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how to do my makeup. I'm going to learn how to, like, work out properly again. I'm going to eat better food except for being in Louisiana. And... (laughs) Ah, fat and happy. Chocolate like cake. But I think because I look more conventional than I used to in very recent years, I have this, like, body dysmorphia and this, like, success dysmorphia where people assume, like, oh, you're white, you've had it easy. Like, you probably came from a great family with a lot of money, and that was not my upbringing. Like, I came from Appalachia. I, like, you know, like, my my grandparents immigrated here from Italy. Like, there there were so many, like, yeah. struggly things that... Or coming out of an abuse background, like, I've been exploited before in a way that most white people have not. I've had all sorts of, like, weird things I've had to deal with. And based on how the rest of my family turns out, I look remarkably normal. And I've worked really hard to look, like, just normal. So I think there's, like, having people assume, like, oh, this person's had it easy or whatever. This person has is being given whatever for whatever reason it's weird to be grappling with that side of the conversation now. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's for real. No, again,
0: because i um, trying to be careful. I don't want to, I'm not complaining or anything. There are definitely things that have been easier for me as a white guy. Yeah. But there's also, you know, just regular life stuff. Like, I've right. had to fight to get jobs. I've had to fight to get clients to pay yeah, me. Yeah, Same. You know, it's I've called the, the, the cops struggles. at my
1: jobs. I've had like all sorts of sexual harassment things. I've, See, I've and I've not been not... able to quit those jobs because I needed them. Like, yeah, I mean, those are real. Those are real.
0: That's the thing. Like when guys complain about male privilege, or especially white people complaining about white privilege, it's, it's not attacking you. Like mm-hmm. you know, the, the Black Lives Matter is not an attack right. on white lives. No, not at all. It's also not downplaying anybody else. People no. are like, <laughs> you know. Well, what about cops that die? We didn't
1: say anything about that. Right, that's, that's the not point. what it is. Nobody made any qualifier about we're the cops. Just, yes.
0: They're just talking about this. High school students should not get picked on when they get upset that their friends got shot no. in math class.
1: No, they should not. And I think it's it's so telling to me because when we rail against those things where we say, like, now, wait a minute, what about? It really speaks to our insecurities. It's exact, that's That all our it lives are not enough. That we're not living our best, and therefore we feel someone else owes us something that we never had. Right. And that's...
0: Oh, I can't get the iPhone 10. Why are we complaining about cops shooting people?
1: Right. That's an extreme, but
0: it is, you know, it's... Yeah. And for that person, that emotion is real, but they haven't... They haven't sussed through why. Have you ever seen the videos, like, on YouTube where they have, like... uh, I don't... I can't think of a specific example, but they'll have, like, an old white dude talk to somebody from the Black Lives Matter thing. Yeah. you ever seen any of those? Yeah, those are,
1: like, cringeworthy. Yeah, but
0: sometimes... The old white dude is like, oh, that story sounds a lot like my story. I understand why that would make you upset. And maybe they don't come around and, like, explain the whole full thing. Right, but sure, they, sure. they definitely get it a lot. But there was one, the one I'm thinking of, there was an NRA member who sat down with one of the kids from Florida, and he was going on about how he felt attacked by the kids, like they were trying to take his guns and stuff. And then the guy told his story, and he's like, that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to do X, Y, and Z. And just make sure people are safe. And the guy came around. He's like, okay, (laughs) I hear you. (laughs) You know, I think you won me over some way. Right. Because he heard that story. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's it's people's own insecurities that often get in the way.
1: You know, kind of to backtrack about story, I don't know how much time we have. We're good. Uh, Okay. Um, But I feel like. I've been reading a book recently called... So that guy kicks us out. Right, of course, of course. (laughs) I've been reading this book called The Art of Rivalry, and it talks about four different um, kind of couples in the art world that were either like really good friends, like they're they're not romantically involved, but they're like two contemporaries that came up at the same time that came to the same level of success. They had different styles for the most part, although sometimes they overlapped. Um, They had different girlfriends, although sometimes those overlapped. Um, And they had different philosophies in a lot of cases and so they either like would become really good friends and then have a falling out or they were like frenemies sure and and would be like oh my god you're good no you're good but also i hate you fuck off go away you should die (laughs) like that sort of thing yeah and as you're reading it you realize a couple things one that the idea of narrative and art is fairly new i didn't realize this but several of these artists kept saying like there's no story in my work don't look for it I don't want to talk to you about story. It's not about that. It's about the futility and the violence of just existing. And I'm like, wow, that was like a thing for a while. Nobody wanted to talk about actual like things. No one had stories they wanted to share. This was all very private. So it's very modern of us to think like that. Um, but I think it's beautiful, and it's something that I hope that we continue to pursue. But then there's also this idea of watching these very famous artists like Monet or Monet and Degas Picasso and um, Matisse uh, Bacon and Freud Pollock and um, who was the other one with Pollock oh god it just escaped me sorry anyway no, but okay. you watch them all be art kids so like think about any art kid that you know that was like way too emotional and was constantly drawing like pictures of his friend being impotent or having like one testicle and that's for real these very famous yeah. reputable people that's how they were so there's like a passage that I found the other day, and I just died laughing because it said something like Picasso got this, got a hold of like um, Baudelaire's salacious al or salacious like short story about like an orgy between like a goat and like five dogs and this guy, and then like some incestual thing, and Picasso cherished it, and that's what he based his first cubism nude off of. And I'm like, what? And then like, oh, art kids and their porn, right? Yeah, they're all about that. And then him being like, "This is <laughs> I want to do something no one's ever done before," and I'm like, "La la la la, la me, okay," <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think there's something so funny about like the context of history and of injecting stories into history because we face all of these people to be like this idea when you realize they're just that asshole kid in your class that drew anime all the time but just got really famous drawing his anime. I <laughs> know. Fucking neck beards. I know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and corn albums and yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, that's good. I think everyone has a secret corn fan probably in their heart somewhere.
1: <laughs> I mean, not me, obviously. No, yeah. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think, I say that or bring that up to say like story, stories narrative runs so deeply in some cases. It's so subtle we don't detect it. We we don't initially see it. But there's something that draws you into those stories that is like coursing through your veins. It's almost like that pulse. Like you're responding to the pulse of an idea. Again. Right. Yeah. And I almost
0: think people are afraid to share those stories. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to share them like direct like that weird fucked up story. Yeah. Like Picasso <laughs> didn't draw that. Right. He drew the cubism right. from it. So maybe... You know, you don't have to share every little. Like, I'm not sure how your divorce affected a pie you made, but right. I'm sure it had some impact on it at some point.
1: I mean, I did make a pie once out of spite, um, as a like little rat, like
0: little rat. <laughs> Is it said, "Shut your pie something?
1: hole." <laughs> so I was sending a very clear message. Yeah. And and I'm okay. It was maybe the pettiest pie I've ever made, or like a subtweet pie. Like that's where all those blackbirds went. <laughs> 4 and 20 sub tweets yeah. baked in a pie
0: <laughs> I want you to make a vape dad 69 pie oh my God. from that joke that from young jerks talk. I did
1: make a 420 broccoli piece last year <laughs> it was made out of broccoli and That's
0: then I took amazing. the broccoli
1: lyrics and I changed them and it didn't take a lot <laughs>
0: Oh man! Said I could that eat that, eat that shit really so greasely.
1: I'm a dirty dog. I did it <laughs> cheesily. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's fine. It's so good. <laughs> oh man! We didn't even get to talk about ghosts or existentialism or anything. No. To have you on the show again. So yeah, that would be great.
1: We could talk about all the mysteries. Yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, no, you got. You want to get down to New Orleans, and yeah. I got to get on my flight. So, thanks for coming on the show today. now. Yeah,
1: it. thanks for finally having me and making this work out. Yeah, we've it's been exciting.
0: trying for like a year now. Where just... <laughs> you at? Where you at? Not here. Yeah. And then you would ask me and they like, we'd be doing something or...
1: It's kind of weird. It's like someone showing up at your house being like, hey, are you home? And then they're like, no, go away. <laughs> so I go?
0: Yes, I've been the guy that showed up at your house wondering where you were.
1: <laughs> and then I'm like, I'm not online right now. <laughs> um, Is there anything coming up that
0: you want people to know about or go check out or anything
1: oh my goodness well i would encourage people to check out my website uh, marmalade blue blue spelled b-l-e-u-e dot com um uploading some new work i'm giving a few new talks this year in different places i'm excited about those are you are you talking next week can people oh no by the time
0: this comes out it'll already be over right it'll already be over yeah
1: yeah so everyone's gonna flock to iowa and it'll it'll be done so (laughs) Yep. All two people. <laughs> yeah, One of them is Scotty Russell. One of them is my mom. <laughs> yeah. Just your mom and Scotty. That'll be a right, fun right. talk. <laughs> That's my daughter. I know.
0: <laughs> and then he'll just talk about his podcast, Perspective Collective. Right. There we yep. go. We can
1: just go in circles talking <laughs> about things we care about. Oh. <laughs> but, yes, yeah, so that. And I'm also working on a series of... Um, Technology-based works that'll that'll be coming out. I'm hoping in the next few months. Uh, just, I'm really excited. There's a lot of interesting things I'm playing with that involve time, that involve um, user experience, and just the masses being able to observe this process. So not just one person or one group of people that hired me to be on a set. It'll be really fun. That's,
0: that sounds like fun. Cool. Yeah. We'll keep watch out for that. And um, you can follow me on Twitter at zs wilkinson and creatoring show. Somebody has creatoring. They haven't tweeted in like six years. How do you get
1: Twitter to like give you a handle? You at the handle and then you tell them I want it.
0: Yeah. So if anybody works at Twitter or can knows anyone there, maybe you can help email for me so I can get the creatoring yeah. handle. And then, um, you know, go on iTunes. Five-star reviews help a lot. We don't pay to advertise the show anywhere. So five-star reviews help a lot. But, um, yeah, thanks again, Danielle. Yeah, thanks for having me.